0: Hello, and welcome to the Todd and Taylor Show. I'm Todd A. I'm Taylor Trask. Hey,
1: what's going on? How's it going? It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while since we've done I, this.
0: <laughs> it has. In We may, we were just talking about this, we may have, it may not have been as long as we think since we released an episode, because we did an episode with, of Logan with our friend Emily Kelly, the um, one of the hosts of uh, the Fan Theories podcast.
1: Yes. Um
0: and that was not that long ago
1: it wasn't it felt it feels like it was last year though in my mind but we were like, out
0: of practice right yeah 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 it's in my uh, office it's like
1: office different so that's you know
0: yeah it's that thing You. it's like uh i don't actually work out or do anything uh strenuous like that but if i take time away from playing guitar yep. that first time back is like oh my god like what how long have i been away
1: you kids uh, at home may not realize this but this actually requires a little bit of uh of uh practice so to speak To Stay in the groove. Uh, You know, you're going to hear me especially today. I'll probably have, you know, brain farts and word salads like you've never heard. But that's, you know, we'll we'll get back into the groove of it, I'm sure. So as as people who uh,
0: regularly make, uh, you know, creative projects and and always have many projects going, you and I are very self-critical when we're not hitting the goals we want to or something and at least so this is we're, we're talking on march 24th today yep. and uh maybe a, maybe even a month ago maybe even more than that we we were kind of kicking ourselves for like we hadn't done any many episodes since the start of the year and the, you know the end of the year there was kind of a slowdown um and then uh one of us pointed out like well you know what that same thing happened last year yep and that is one of the huge benefits to doing a creative thing year over year is that you can kind of look back and, and figure out these trends. And actually, I mean, at least for me, it made me feel a little less self-critical. Like yeah. maybe well, there's just a natural, uh, a slowdown, you know, where we're not firing on all cylinders in January and February.
1: Think about last year was our first full year. Cause I think we started yeah. like June of May or June of 15 Exactly. Last year been our full year. And last year we launched another show that, you know, Wednesday and Westeros didn't exist in February of last year. We were sort of talking about it, but that, that was a brand new thing. So it's like, I, for some reason in my mind, it feels like we've been doing this way longer than we actually have. Um, and then if, and then not even to add to that, like, you know, we're, we're working on a comic book web series uh, or rather a comic shop web series and other, other kinds of stuff. So like, there's a lot in the pop pipeline, But as we were chatting about that, it made me think, I'm like, you know, this is the second or third year now where I've been very conscious of the fact that um, I think December, let's just say early, mid-December to probably end of February, I tend to go into this kind of creative lull, like a hibernation of sorts. Um, And maybe it's the weather. Maybe it's just I need a break. Um, I, I don't know. And then it seems like every March uh and then this happened to me in the last week or two like I just I recharge like I'm just I'm fired my brain is firing and kinetic and I'm interested in things again because I wasn't even I dare I dare even say this I wasn't even reading as much comics as I normally do like December January and you know early February I kind of started getting back into the groove but now I'm just like uh, on a total binge consumption mode again so it's like my brain just kind of came back on and this is. It was the second year that's happened, and it made me ask the question, like, is creative hibernation a thing for everybody? You know, is that something that we, because I don't hear it talked about a lot. You know, you don't see Yeah, I hear, about it.
0: I hear people talk about, um, you know, taking a break, like, you know, kind of like flushing the cash, kind of restore, like, what do you do to kind of restore yourself? But I do think what's really interesting to kind is that we we're able to look at like our calendar of releases yeah. and and go oh wait a second we both had to take that hibernation in the same place year over year it's yeah. not like you know sometime in june we we got burned out and we we're like hey let's take some time off yeah. it's like or, or you know it's not like it occurred randomly throughout the year it it happened in january and february and we know that now so we can plan a little bit better going into next year yeah. which to me is just like that kind of insight is, is so interesting. Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you, I mean, uh, do you ever, is it ever seasonal for you? Like it's been for me, at least the last two or three years.
0: I, for the longest time, uh, and still partially, uh, have always felt like my, I don't know that I've ever connected it definitely to creativity, but just sort of life in general and life events and job Mm. situations and Mm -hmm. housing situations and stuff always seem to (laughs) run on like from school that was like it would that was so ingrained as part of my calendar that i always saw like there's a natural break of something in may Mm -hmm. there's a natural like break at the end of the summer Mm -hmm. and then there's a natural break you know at the end of of december like not even talking about the end of the year but just sort of that feeling of like ah we're cruising into christmas you know i'm going to take a couple weeks off or something of just um so this is all very interesting because I'm I'm super self-critical and like to imagine that I'm I, – I, that's not even true. I was about to say I like to imagine I'm I, I, high productivity all the time, but really mostly I'm just frustrated at myself for not hitting – my own arbitrary goals
1: for activity. Well, and there's, I mean, there's a whole other episode slash blog post or even book (laughs) to be written about, you know, just, you know, a lot of times one of the tricks of creative pursuits is you just got to do the work, even if you don't feel like it. Um, I know with my writing, that's always been haunting me and I've gotten better and better at sort of just realizing that you, because I think, when you have an idea or when you're working on an idea and you're just like everything's firing on all eight cylinders and you just feel like that excitement, you you kind of – you get addicted to that and then you want that to be the feeling every time. And I think you confuse that feeling for the thing and you just got to realize, yeah, that'll be there but that won't – not always. And you just got to like kind of take it as it comes and appreciate it but still power through and keep doing the work. Um, and I think – not that that wasn't necessarily the case with there um, or with anything else we're doing but just like I noticed – I mean, as you mentioned, like situational factors, like I was thinking I was sick for most of January, like horribly sick. Um, My grandmother died in February or early January, early February. So there was that Um, there was just there was a lot of things that that I'm sure if you take away the fact, you know, the time of the year that probably played into this, too. Um,
0: Well, and another thing that you and I should not discount is that um, although I'm in in an in-house position right now you and i are very very uh intimately tied to client work yeah and there is always a natural drop off of new contracts you know mid-december yep and so i have definitely felt that in years where i was a full-time freelancer where you know i had to to store up all the acorns you know Mm. from like november to march Mm -hmm. because it was it was really hard to get at least a sustaining like long-term contract during that time yeah Um, and i think that that just kind of gets built into your own calendar of like you know uh there's a lot of hustle and a little and not much you know product to show for it from are you one of
1: those people that um when you're busier you can just do more because you're busier like and i ask that (laughs) because when i'm when we've got a lot going on like just work-wise, I tend to, to do more side stuff just because my brain has to keep going. Like if I try to, like if I'm not that busy, so like January typically, you know, in the world of agency work or client work, you know, you're not that busy. So you almost, you you would think on the surface, oh, you have all this time to do all this other stuff. But because you're not as as frequently busy day to day, it's almost like your brain doesn't have that on-ramp to stay active and going so you almost kind of get like too relaxed too comfortable i mean that happens to me occasionally i've just noticed like even though even though i might be a little bit more stressed when i've got so much going on that i have to schedule it it seems like i get more done
0: hmm. uh I, I wish i could say that's the case but the, <laughs> the critic in me sort of is taking over right now and saying like uh no you fail at it all the time
1: that's <laughs> sort of that's you should sort of keep how a mental you and then whoever's listening should keep a, a mental sort of a diary of just like, Hey, when is, when am I at my best productivity wise? Is it, a, is it a certain time of year? Is it a certain time of day? Like what are those factors? Cause I think, you know, there's no one size fits all solution, but I do wonder yeah. like, are we talk are we ever talking about the right things? Like 99U, which is a, a Behance a publication, mm-hmm. they put out emails all the time about this kind of stuff and they They hit on a lot of good points, but I always feel like a lot of people in the industry, in the business, like it, there are things that might be useful that aren't brought up or just, you know, little little nooks and crannies that I don't think people are looking at when they talk about their own creativity or their relevance or their just product, you know, all that stuff. Um, Yeah. Well, for me,
0: I think we've talked about this uh, on other podcasts specifically, maybe like I, I can't remember how we started naming these seasons, but there's there's an episode in our archive called "See You There," where we first started talking about the There Network, and I think that's the one where we kind of caught up on big creative stuff that you and I had been doing. And um, I've I think like when you when you're thinking like kind of artistic creative projects, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is a huge uh, gen, uh, like <laughs> generalism, um, so. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Taylor and audience, but um, I, I think a lot of us get that feeling of like we're working on something big, and it's like until you get that done, you, it, it's, so, you you're, it's you're it's you Sisyphus rolling that yeah. stone Ooh. up the mountain like it's this yeah. huge stone. But really, what I've learned from working on the web for so long and getting into a lot of those productivity tips and uh, you know processes and things like that you would find with 99U is like, it's really to me all about iteration. Yeah. And so the critic in me goes, oh my God, you've been working on this like long, short book for, you know, almost a year now. And you published your last long, short book in June. And now you've got three months to, to finish this one. And you're like, giving in your marks. You like, it's the end of March. I got the two months really. And like, I'm not where I was last year. This is frustrating mm-hmm. to me but then if i go if i think iteration wise i go no you know i crank out a column like every week that's <laughs> like you know uh 7 to 1200 words or something yeah. and i have a full time job and we do podcasts and it's like my god like i mean why do i why do i have these outrageous goals like i should be publishing you know uh 12,000 word books every 6 months or something that's crazy
1: yeah but don't um, don't don't dismiss the fact that there, I mean a lot of ambitious goals get get accomplished and a lot of people do really cool stuff around ambitious goals like I think it's I think it's oh, a no, totally. yeah. you know it's like yeah cause I do the same thing where it's like I'm not doing enough and then when you actually take true inventory of what you, what you're you're doing week to week you're like Jesus Christ and so because like a lot of people I'll, I'll admit this for the first time I I have been one of those people who I am I am fairly consistently busy, but then there's some some weeks out of the year where I'm just not, or I'm just like I'm not going to really try this week just because I'm just exhausted and burnt out, and I just I'm just going to kind of coast. And people will come up to me during those times and go, "Oh my god, did you get enough sleep last night?" I'm like, and I don't I don't want to say like, "Well, yeah, I, I slept like nine hours. I, I'm I'm fine," uh, because <laughs> I kind of want to keep up. I don't want to break the illusion because like when i am busy i want people to respect that you know so i don't want people to think oh he's never busy but it's just when you actually take i don't know why i brought that up when i when you actually take inventory of what you're you are doing and working on it's like oh you got to be respectful to that while still having like audacious ambitious kinds of things that you want to do and i think there's a happy medium i'm still i'm 35 and i'm still not I haven't figured it out yet. And I feel like I always kind of feel like there's two or three things. If I can just solve these life equations, I'll be rocking until I'm until I'm dead. I just haven't quite figured that one out yet.
0: Yeah. I think, I think for me, I I felt exactly that same way. (laughs) Mm. There's just two or three life equations. If I can figure this out, this is like the TOE, like the theory of everything that I'm going to figure out. And then, uh, and then I hit 40 and was like, Nope, never gonna figure it out. It all sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck everything. The journey is a part d- of decaying the decaying carbon shell. <laughs> it's like continually faulty.
1: It's like you need uh, one of those like fun. wise monks to come up and go. The journey is the adventure, or like the exactly. like. Exactly. You know, it's like the exactly the ending is not yeah. what it is for.
0: So I, I'm, sure I'm yeah, saying. I definitely don't want to shit on like huge amb- amb- ambitious projects. I think when I find that like I'm frustrated that. I don't have the end product out it's because I'm focused on the end product and I should have probably chopped it into a bunch of tinier steps. And then I'd be much happier with like, Oh, I got this tiny step done and I got this tiny step done, you know? And that's really what, what that progress is about is like, get, get to the goal and like, you know, the Zen master that you're uh, hypothetically quoting there is saying, you know, the, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Yeah, like Yeah. I, got to put that one foot in front of the other in order to get there.
1: It's weird. I can think that way about like exercise or personal health, right? Like that's like, no, oh God. yeah. You, you know, but for some reason they're in my mind, like things that I think I've gotten, I've had some lucky breaks in the past where ideas and projects just come together really, really fast that you kind of get tricked into thinking, oh, it can be that easy every time. And you know, you sort of dismiss the, the circumstances specific to that thing. So it's just, you know, it's, it's a, I think it's, people need to look at creative pursuits in the same lens as exercise. Like it's, you've got to keep doing it. Not everything you do is going to be great. That doesn't mean you stop working on it every day or stop devoting time to it. And like, you know, at some point you're going to get in a natural groove or you'll just have done it enough where you can kind of autopilot and it will feel a little more natural. And then, then it's a trick of like, well, you know, do you, does it feel too boring? Are you burnt out? Like you just got to kind of be mindful of it at all times. I think.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I think that's probably as good a a, a turning point as we can get
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah well let's talk um, about what's going well, on what's been new like, what's been new in your world like what are you what are you seeing what are you gonna see what's what's new
0: well i'll I'll tell you i woke up this morning
1: uh,
0: as as mentioned march twenty fourth um <laughs> And are you not- are you
1: like are you are you gonna be are you thinking you're gonna be assassinated and this is like your last will and testament Like I, Todd a, on March twenty fourth, have said that- I'll be
0: like that uh I don't know if you know the magician James Randy who every morning oh, yeah. wrote it wrote a new note to himself that was like, I James Randy have had a premonition that I will die on this day or whatever. Oh my
1: god, I didn't know that. But he did it
0: every single morning and he dated it so that he was like, <laughs> When I eventually die, I'm gonna look like a genius.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: <laughs> maybe that wasn't Randy, maybe that was uh someone he quoted but um uh so I, anyway i woke up this morning and i'm like you know lying in bed and i grabbed the phone and there's a million notifications on it and i, I swiped down and uh um i did not know that i needed to be prepared to spend 20 dollars this morning on rogue one which was released today digitally mm. <laughs> so that's what i did this morning and that is uh, probably what i'm going to do uh this weekend is watch that
1: ah now is this is the digital version does it include any um deleted scenes or extended scenes or anything or is it just straight I up movie that you got in the theater
0: believe in the google play edition that i bought there are no extras which is a super bummer um i think i did get some extras when i got force awakens digitally but um uh i don't know i really was like it i hesitated for like one second like you know should should i just wait and see if digital extras come later and then i went nah i want to watch well, it's,
1: it it's weird like they're never it's never quite clear like i bought the uh the dark net returns that animated two-part movie that they put out that eventually they just put out as one continuous cut um and i didn't know and i and you know they went through the credits i was i think i was making dinner when the credits were rolling and all of a sudden like all this behind the scenes stuff just started so they just tapped oh, nice. on all the all the stuff at the very end um so yeah. it's just one giant digital file that that you get but it's i wish they'd be more clear and it bothers me a little bit too that you know as we move away from discs and pieces of plastic that the the need to put behind the scenes stuff you know with the movie is you're not seeing that as much like we kind of went from this this deluge of like every commentary track every every like piece of content now we don't need to do that anymore you know we'll just here here you go and it's like well no i like that stuff too that's I know, yeah. and I,
0: you know, I, I texted this sort of group of nerds that I texted with this morning about this, and they all chimed in like they're annoyed that the that there's a there's obviously a push to get people to buy digital first or yeah. to try to sell people multiple you know editions of the same thing because all these guys want the Blu-ray with the extras and because they want a piece of plastic in their house and I don't want a piece of plastic and I kind of had to think that through of like you know what I if you took all the dvds that i have where like i you know that have extras on them and then you figure out like how many extras i actually watched and then you figure out like how many extras i even gave a shit about (laughs) like it's a really small small number compared to the whole so i think i just fall into that category of i don't care about the extras Mm -hmm. if the extras show up online somewhere you know, if they, if they would just release them on YouTube, that I'm probably happy with that. That would be care. perfect.
1: No, that would be yeah. perfect. If as long as there was somewhere to see them, um, yeah. that didn't require me buying a Blu-ray that I might watch, you know, once. Like, because I, uh, you're Google Play. I'm pretty staunchly Amazon Video. Um, oh, okay. So I've got everything there, and I don't, you know, I don't want to have to. I mean, I've got Blu-rays and DVDs, but I've been over the years have been sort of purging them down, um, to just either get to either I've either been ripping them or um, Just getting like the high, you know, high def file from some means or method, um, legal or otherwise. And then uh, the ones, the DVDs or Blu-rays I have, like the Moulin Rouge one, it's got like it's got a really freaking cool packaging. So I'll probably never get rid of that. But it's like you know very specific niche reasons. But it's you know there's like a shelf in my house now, and that's you know it's funny. My girlfriend Rachel, like she's she's probably gonna be the last person on the earth who like sticks to CDs and discs and things. Like she just can't quite make it make it out of that world and i'm like it's it's kind of cute like she'll have like i'll come home and she'll like put a dvd in it and stuff i'm like what an interesting old-fashioned notion like and she's like stop it it's yeah She kind of she's she's kind of hanging on to that which i'm sure there will always be like the vinyl sort of lovers you know group of people who like i will only ever watch blu-ray i will never watch the file even though there's technically no difference
0: yeah wouldn't it be great if uh if there was a resurgence in like film projectors and then we had the purists oh, who are buying like a, a literal 35 or 70 millimeter print of the film
1: i mean that's what tarantino I mean, does now i mean he is that guy now um like his <laughs> personal stash is nothing but uh you know film stuff and then he owns the new beverly in la yeah. um so he's like he might be the only guy like the last guy he'll be like the um oh jesus what's that rolling stone uh guy who a Cameron Crowe like, he'll be like the Cameron Crowe of um of film because Cameron Crowe's got like this massive massive vinyl collection I just
0: uh I, I you're saying this and I'm I'm remembering this is such a ridiculous memory uh of a Rob Zombie on Cribs oh, <laughs> back Jesus. many years ago where he had this really funny uh, he didn't have a funny comment about it I just remember at the time thinking it was funny where he bought like he's such a old horror movie collector and he had them all on like vhs and then in the late 80s he started buying them all on laserdisc (laughs) Uh and then of course they were like shooting cribs in like the dawn of the dvd era and he was like i guess i gotta buy them all on dvd now and it was like man what an idiot uh which is unfortunately like how i kind of feel about like i i get it if you have to have like the dvd for your i mean i i understand why you would buy a dvd i just don't understand the notion of like physical collections anymore. Yeah. You know.
1: I mean books um, are a little uh, different. I have my, my opinion. Actually, if you go Google Rob Zombie Cribs, um, him and his VHS sort of parlors, with one of the first things that pops up on uh, I mean it Google. was epic. Yeah. yeah. It looks pretty crazy. It looks it looks like the uh the sort of private collection, the back room of a like old school like you know um blockbuster or something.
0: Hey it's I weird. realize uh you know in our um, before we get to the other couple things that we, uh, we're going to mention in like our What's Going On catch-up, um, and, and this is a hard, hard turn from Rob Zombie, believe oh. me. But I don't think I have told you at all, and certainly not in a podcast, that um, I was pulled on stage by Penn & Teller what? <laughs> last month. What?! So- uh, the, when I mentioned James Randy earlier, it, it reminded me of this. So i okay. A,
1: what What are the circumstances of this? Like this, I'll
0: walk you through it. I'll try to be brief. I'm a gigantic Penn and Teller fan. Um, they have a almost nightly show in the Penn and Teller Theater in the Rio in Las Vegas. Um, I've seen them now three times there. I saw them twice at Comic Con. I've you know seen Penn at a book signing and like I'm you know like if they're near me. I'm going to try to see them. I, I love those wow. guys. I had no um, idea you were such a. F- love Penn and Teller. Yeah. And uh, so uh, when I was back in Nashville on my last like stint, when I was living there, um, I really got my dad into uh, the show. They have sort of a, a, I don't know what you'd call it. It's kind of like a game show or whatever. It's just a magic show on TV, on CW um, with Allison Hannigan as the host and, and along Penn and Teller in the and it's called fool us. And the idea is that these magicians come on Penn and Teller may know the magicians, but they don't know who's on stage that night. They perform a trick that they hope will fool Penn and Teller and Penn and Teller like, you know, guess.
1: Oh, I've seen, I've seen clips of this on YouTube. I haven't seen the full episode though.
0: It's really fun to me because there's a whole secret language that they, they use with, with people um, um you know where they're like eh, it looks like you did the philadelphia inquirer there with a little bit of the back donkey or whatever and nice. and then the you know the magician on stage like sheepishly like kind of has the grin and go like hey they know how i did it and um uh so that's really fun i got my dad into that my mom of course has seen a lot of the episodes because i would you know be at their house watching it with my dad and so for christmas this year i got the three of us tickets to see them in las vegas Oh um, man! It was it was like so we know they're gonna come you know visit me in California. Um, well, I, I told them like you're just gonna fly to Vegas. I'll drive out there. We'll all see Penn and Teller, and we'll drive back the next day. And so anyway, <clears throat> that's what we do. So this was on Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, spoiler for anyone who might go see Penn and Teller at the Penn and Teller theater, uh. I, turn you know turn down your volume for 30 seconds i'm gonna spoil something not a trick of course not a trick but anyway there's a jazz group that opens every show the mike jones jazz trio
1: mm-hmm.
0: pin plays bass what and there's a funny thing where most people don't even realize that's pin playing bass because they're not looking at the bass player
1: yeah um, does he, is, so, he not, <clears throat> is he's not in disguise or anything is he
0: he just is not in the suit and he generally wears a hat Okay. And um so anyway, so I bought us tickets specifically, you can start listening again everybody. Um on that side of the theater because I knew that's where it was going to be. So <clears throat> walk my parents down to the seat and as they're having a uh you know as they're sitting down, we're like we're like fifth row or something, you know, on uh, stage left, so the right side of the theater and so they're sitting there and I'm still standing in our row and I say to them, "Look, I I chose these seats on purpose." look who's playing the bass and we all three look over there and i swear pin is just dead-eyed staring right back at me <laughs> 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 and i'm like oh man that was like <laughs> that was like a meaningful stare and i'm going in my head i'm like there's no way he heard me whisper to my parents look who's playing bass or something you know this is ridiculous yeah so nonetheless I, I'm touched like some, you know, there's this feeling not touched in a, in an emotional way. I'm touched. Like, By I, I, like, Oh, I got yeah. the touch on me. Like <laughs> he's reached out with his magical he powers.
1: Gave you the evil eye.
0: Exactly. I was like, for some reason, it's significant that he knows where I'm sitting. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> the show starts. Um, and, uh, I, it's also interesting to note, just trivial, trivial fact. Um, they, the two times I'd seen them prior to this in that theater, they pin would do this thing where, you know, they do a trick and they do their like intro. And then he would explain, we're going to do one trick from every one of our major tours, one trick from every one of our TV specials <clears throat> and new stuff. So he's basically telling you like, you're getting the greatest hits package. Plus. Oh, that's new stuff.
1: So cool! Wow.
0: And they, <clears throat> he'd give a little history of how long they've been in Vegas, et cetera. Uh, a while
1: for those of you so, at home who aren't aware and
0: i knew from following them on twitter like they would tweet about hey we're working this new trick into the act tonight so <clears throat> probably the first time i saw them, m- maybe there was a trick different between the two times i'd seen him before and this time it was like half the set was different it was crazy damn so <clears throat> excuse me for coughing i'm gonna drink some water Um, so they come out the first trick is different, it's like a new thing I hadn't seen him do before. Um and that trick is done. He doesn't say the spiel about the you know the the greatest hits, and Pin just walks straight out and I'm like the whole time I was like, It's coming for me, man. He didn't look at anybody else. He just goes straight to me, Sir, what's your name? Where are you from? (laughs) And pulls me up on stage. And it is one of my favorite tricks where, um, which I also, I mean, I'm sure they've done it with people from the audience, but I swear I have not, I do not remember that someone from the audience was on stage during this trick before. Okay. So I'm pulled up and it's about the TSA. They bring out a metal detector, like one that you walk through and, um, then they have a wand metal detector. And so my role was like to wand over his pocket and, um, you know, it beeps on his on like his breast pocket and he pulls out this little piece of metal and he, he explains this thing of like this is actually we sell these in the gift shop. It's the Bill of Rights uh, printed on a piece of metal with the Fourth Amendment, uh, you know, against search and uh, illegal search and seizure highlighted in red. So you can the idea is you put in your pocket, you walk through the metal detector at the airport. They say, sir, do you have something in your pocket? And you say, here, take my rights.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> and, wow. So. So, you know, it beeps on that. And then he's like, here, you can keep this. That's my I'm souvenir for participating right in it.
1: To these. What's that? I'm, looking, I'm going to their store right now. I want to get one of these. It's kind of cool. It's
0: I actually, and it's funny too, because like prior, like years ago, I bought this for my dad and I didn't even buy the Penn and Teller signature edition. I bought like the, like, uh, I don't know, you know, Cato Institute or ACLU or somebody was selling them. And um. so anyway, so that's the trick I participate in, which is like, you know, I love this trick. They do stuff right in front of me where I'm still like, I don't, you know, the, the whole gag is like, they, um, they explain how they don't, they, they settled in Vegas so that they didn't have to fly because the TSA was, was such a drag to them. And so Teller walks through the, you know, the metal detector and it doesn't go off. And then he produces like a gigantic ax, like, you know, from nowhere, just pulls it out of his jacket. And then he walks through again. It doesn't go off. And he produces like a plate of fire. And he walks through again, it doesn't go off. He pulls out like this comically oversized fire extinguisher. So not only can you not understand how he has like secreted these on his perp on his person. Um, but the metal detector is not going off as he walks through. Mm-hmm. So then they pull out this giant like sheet that has this list of everything you can't carry on a plane, you know, snow globes and all this stuff. And there, and pins, you know, uh, you know, pointing me towards it. And he's like, Todd, you know, do you see that, you know, see, look, you can't have snow globes. You can't have them like nodding along, like, scared to death to be on stage of course i should clarify that and
1: uh as they're
0: doing this they like uh they roll the sheet up and a a woman is standing there and i am right next to her i have no idea how this happened
1: wow so so in your mind you're like because you're in this precarious position where you're like a super fan and you've seen some of these tricks before and you're invited on stage so do you like is your instinct to just be like, I'm just gonna enjoy this up close, or are you like, I'm part of the show, so I need to make sure I don't fuck it up, or like, what, was, what are that you- was
0: totally what it was. Was don't okay. fuck it up. I was so terrified, you know. I'd driven like all day to get there and like pick my parents. I'd been stressed out all day, you know, um, just trying to like kind of hit the the schedule. And so like literally, we sat down and I ordered a beer, uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna sit here and have this beer, and then after that moment when he just dead-eyed me before the show i was like oh man (laughs) like i'm like the anxiety is like you know creeping in and i at so in the moment i was terrified and the only conscious thought i have was i've seen so many people get on stage and they kind of try to ham it up
1: yeah my whole thought
0: was don't ham it up yeah yeah yeah. and and i did i was very conscious that pin um as i'm coming on stage of course uh you know, he tells me, like, walk up there and, and see Mr. Teller. And and so I walk up there and Teller tells me, like, look, Penn's going to tell you everything to do. So just stand right here right now.
1: Oh, so Teller talk to you.
0: <clears throat> tell Yes. Teller does speak. Oh, I, know um, does. Just, I know he does. I know he does. Not hear. in the show. So that, you know, that was that was cool. I stand there and then Penn comes up and I was very conscious that Penn was very like forcefully grabbing my right above the elbow to position me. Yeah. And I had this thought of like, well, of course, he's being forceful. Like he's making sure that I'm not in the way of this trick. Uh Like you know, like in my head, I'm going like, don't screw it up, don't ham it up, don't get in their way. But then, of course, they're professional. They've been doing this for forty years. Like they, they don't want me in my way, in their way, (laughs) even more than I don't want to be in their way. You know. Sure, sure. And um, so yeah, it was you know, I was I was terrified and scared and stuff. Uh, but in retrospect, I was so touched that I got to be a part of this trick. That's so cool. Especially one you know where this like. you know they this woman appears out of nowhere and i'm like i was standing right there How the fuck did you do that
1: wow see that and that's always what i <laughs> wonder like when you see volunteers and shit on tv like a chris angel or, or them or whatever you're like at some point you're gonna be close enough where you might be able to see stuff that we don't want the audience to see but it's cool that you just verify that no no it's it was really no different like i didn't you didn't notice any cracks in the floor. Like you didn't feel like a a burst of breeze behind you. As you ran on stage or anything, it was just, there she is.
0: They do. So the two previous times I'd seen them. So first of all, they it's, I mean, just go like, go see the show. It is totally worth it. Um, Before the show, they invite you on stage to inspect a box. Mm. And the two shows before this, they also had like a, um, a letter that everyone could sign. Like you Mm -hmm. could just sign this envelope or something like that. So that later when it appears in the show, you can verify like, that's actually the one that I Mm -hmm. signed. you know, they pass through the audience or something. and You can check and find your signature. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, And so it's very, you know, it's not participatory, but it's like their whole thing is like, we're going to open this up. Yeah. And we're still going to fool you. And, well, I appreciate
1: them because they are they are students of the amazing Randy. Like they are all part oh, yeah. of the skeptic society. Like they, oh, yeah. they hate bad magic. They um, believe it is
0: immoral to fool people and not tell them they're being fooled.
1: Exactly. If exactly. I'm stating
0: it correctly. And they're
1: like, super mean. <clears throat> like just the show bullshit. Like everything they've oh, done. Yeah. I've been a fan. Of. And actually, it's funny you mentioned this. I have met Pendulette in the most unusual of circumstances. What? When I was in high school, I worked at Wall Drug, Wall Drug Store, in good old Wall, South Dakota, um, where I'm actually from. And Wall is not far from Sturgis, South Dakota, where if you are familiar with the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, it happens once a year. It's massive, like a million people. Uh, seriously, a million people come from all across the country on their, motor- on their bikes to the Black Hills, and they just kind of basically, anything within a 100-mile radius of Sturgis becomes like a satellite Sturgis. And so it's the craziest two weeks of the summer. It's like, you know, massive, massive, massive tourist influx. I mean, I think about like, like Bernie man times 10. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Well, I was at wall drug and I was working in the camping slash Western wear department. And all of a sudden this like presence is behind me because I was putting something away. And I hear this voice. Do do you have any Pendleton blankets? And I look, (laughs) that's a pretty good.
0: pendulette, actually.
1: I look over and I'm like, I see him. And he's got like, you know, he's dudded out in his like, you know, leather pants with fringe and all the shit that you know, like he's kind of gone overboard in his his biker sort of gear. And he's got a bunch of buddies and stuff. And my first thought is, that's Pen Gillette. But then my second thought is, why is Pen Gillette asking for a Pendleton blanket? That that's too odd. Like, there no, <laughs> it can't be right. That's weird. I'm like, I'm like, well what what do you want again i was like making sure that i i heard him correctly i was like, I would really love a pendleton blanket i really just want one i would i would fascinated by them you have them i'm like actually we do come this way and I, I walked him over and i showed him he's talking with his friends like yeah we'll take we'll take three or four of these and they all bought one and then they they you know bought them and left and the whole rest of the day i'm like I was, I was fervently going back through my memory. Like that had to be him. Like nobody else. Very few people look like that. He's basically like oh, the yeah. personification of foghorn leghorn. Like he is a tall, boisterous <laughs> gentleman. And it's like, and that was before he lost a bunch of weight. So he was, you know, he yeah. was, um, cause now he's like, he, he's still very tall, but he's almost like he did the, the John Popper sort of weight loss program. Apparently. Um, yeah it's crazy to watch, but anyway, so he left and for the rest of like the day and the rest of my summer, I was just like, I think Penn Gillette bought a Pendleton blanket for me. Like I, I'm convinced of it. Um, that
0: is such an awesome encounter. Um,
1: and it wasn't like, and in my mind, I'm like, check him to do some magic or something, but it's, you're just like, no, he's here to relax. He's not, of course, yeah. you know, you, you kind of, you learn to not interfere, you know, with that kind exactly. of stuff.
0: Yeah. 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 I, that's you. That's my thing I, uh, I could have gone without getting pulled on stage. Like, and if I hadn't, I probably would have, they, they go out in the lobby afterwards and they just stand there and let anyone take pictures with them.
1: Seriously. Yeah.
0: But it's just such a mob scene. Oh yeah. What they've begun doing is going to different areas. So you can't get one picture with both of them. Like they used Mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So they can kind of, you know, work some crowd control that way. Yeah. Um, So I, I, and I also felt like I, I remembered his book signing, like I had, it was very brief, but I had sort of a short personal interaction with him, you know, and it's kind of like, that's all I, all I want from anyone like that, that I admire and follow. I'm not, I don't want to take up their time. I don't need some gimmicky thing that's mine alone, you know, like, um, but yeah, it was, uh, what a, what a crazy encounter. I, I got pulled on stage for this. So I totally derailed our conversation. <laughs>
1: Well, I'll derail one more time. If you're okay. into magic, check out Magicians: Life and the Impossible. Now playing on Netflix. I actually watched that oh. the other day, uh, probably a week or two ago now. But it's um this little documentary on Netflix. It's or is it not Netflix or Amazon? i it's on so Netflix. It's yeah. on Netflix. um it's I've not
0: watched it, but I've seen it.
1: It's there. definitely watch it. It's cool. It uh, highlights four different magicians at different stages of their career. Um, you know, one who was big in the '80s, who's not you know, who's kind of fallen on hard times. Oh wait, you're
0: not talking about the series magicians. This is like,
1: this is a one-off documentary.
0: Oh, so this may not be on Netflix. I may have misspoke. I'm not sure where this is.
1: I think it's, if it's not Netflix, it's on Amazon prime. It's on one of the two. Um, but here's, here's the thing. Um, and it's fascinating, but there is, hang on. Is this, yeah, this is different, different thing. Um, trying to find the, hang on is it magicians life in the impossible magicians documentary what i'm getting at is there's one of the guys yeah oh, i'm sorry magicians life in the impossible that is the name okay. um it follows yeah four world-class mag- magicians but one of them and this is what really kind of struck me um one of them was this guy named uh, is it jan Roven um it's this australia Aust- no not jan robin it's like this um kind of siegfried and i think he's australian or austrian or something like that um young magician there's another guy who's his partner like you know his gay partner who's kind of his mentor um and you know this shows you their story apparently this was edited and produced before we found out that that guy was like arrested for like massive child pornography and basically nice. kicked out like both of them were like completely like. One of them was kicked out of the country. The other one was held basically indefinitely. And it's just like, holy the crap. Like, you see these other guys. And like one of the other magicians, like it shows him like, you know, trying to build his career and he gets married. And then before the before it ends, you find out that he ended up getting divorced because his wife couldn't take the lifestyle. And it's just like, it's really interesting. And if you have any interest in magic, go check it out.
0: Yeah, I um, I mean, while we're on the topic and we've mentioned him several times, uh honest liar the uh documentary on james randy which is on yes. netflix is fucking phenomenal amazing there's an, <clears throat> another one by uh, the sleight of hand magician that i mean besides Penn and teller like but tied with them uh, uh or number two on my list is ricky jay
1: totally and love I Ricky J.
0: there's still a documentary on ricky jay on netflix and that is so so unbelievable i've watched it like three or four times
1: ricky j does not get enough yeah. note right i mean he does in the magic community but just in oh, that, yeah. the populace at large like he still goes under the radar and that dude is like i know i mean I, I was so appreciative when he popped up in the prestige as in like a cameo role like he's one of the early magicians that you yeah. see like, performing you're like oh my god it's ricky j
0: he's a big yeah. guy bearded guy um like you've seen him that's the thing yep. is like yep. and he and he's so that's uh, he, uh. You know, Penn and Teller have have their act is so wonderful to me. Like, I love their whole personality and everything. <clears throat> and Ricky J, same thing, but it is a totally different personality. And I think, um, you know, Penn and Teller make a lot of being like the kind. Of, they're they're a a spin on the carnival barker kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And Ricky Jay is just you know he's his own spin on the like the quiet uh, card shark kind of thing, basically. You know.
1: He's the guy yeah, he, you go to like a very small, like maybe 20 person room or something. Yes. He sits down and it's like, it's invite only. And like, here he is. Like, he's a, he's like a master craftsman of magic. Like, he's not the guy who's going to come out and like make a spaceship disappear and scream out like, do it. You know, like, an right, idiot. like right, he's right. not that guy with like Yanni playing in the background. He's like very, I actually respect Ricky J more because there are no lights and frills. It's just, it's pure technical yeah. prowess. That's all you're saying.
0: It's, you know, it, totally. And and that documentary is fascinating if you haven't seen it. And there's so much good magic in it. Um, yeah, all like close-up, sleight of hand, card maneuvering and stuff. It's it's really incredible. Plus, <clears throat> he's such a historian of magic. And he's written like 40 books or something. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it's fascinating. I love that. I just watched Boogie Nights a couple of weeks ago and, and loved his performance in that, by the way. <laughs>
1: nice nice he's nice, nice. the uh
0: he's the uh director of photography for
1: wait whoa 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 ricky jay is the director of photography for boogie he's the dp for boogie nights no no no
0: no, not not for the film boogie nights in the movie he oh, plays the dp Jesus, like sorry the guy sorry. that like burt reynolds is always like leaning over like get that shot in there or whatever that's uh, all oh my ricky god jay. wow yeah. jack we ran out of like, film on this one just replace the canister keep going
1: how odd what an odd it's, little it is weird idea. Anyway. Yeah, because he's
0: he's like such a uh, so many directors are fans of his, you know.
1: Yeah, that's um, pretty cool. He's gonna be one of those guys that, like, I think I hate to say this, but if and when he passes, like, I think he'll be he'll just continue to be more and more well respected long after he's gone, you know.
0: Yeah, I yeah, it's he's he's phenomenal. He's fantastic. Little Same color. with Penn and Teller. What a uh, what a weird turn for this show to take into magic. Um, <clears throat> I think we should maybe. Uh, table a couple of these things that we put in yeah. here be- because I can talk about some other movies and TV shows I've been watching at a later point
1: sure um, well, let me I ask you this be- before. Than... real quick real quick oh, okay. have you watched Iron Fist yet
0: so I don't think there's a real quick answer to that
1: <laughs> no, but have you watched any of it yet
0: <clears throat> I have watched six and a half episodes Okay. Um, so, you've seen, I, so I you're watching,
1: you acquainted with it
0: I was watching seven today number seven and two totally disgusting thing in, things happen in it. Um, one involves some dead bodies being dismembered, and the other involves uh Iron Fist hooking up with Colleen Wing, um, which is awful because he doesn't deserve her.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> he's such a boring idiot character, and she is so interesting. that's what everybody
1: keeps saying. Like I've only watched two and I I won't get it. I mean, I just, I had to put it it down.
0: I mean, it's just there there's uh, uh, it's also, it's one of those things that's like tainted by a, not even like a controversy, but a racial, a criticism of its approach to racial politics. Yeah. And, but it's so clearly like you could take that criticism completely off the table and it's just not a good show. So yeah. it doesn't really like that, is that, that is a, it, a very accurate criticism of the show? But yeah. you don't even need that criticism to say not it at still all. doesn't yeah. hold up. Yeah, it's and it's
1: it, it you that is the least of its problems. Let's just put like, it
0: that way. We have talked so much about uh, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and talked a little bit about the well, sorry, we have talked a lot about the slog at certain points of those series and how Jessica Jones literally could have pulled three episodes out of yep. its run yep. and Luke Cage would have been much better if it had just been split in half. And there had been a, like um, a cotton mouth series and then a second series with what's his name? The brother. Yeah, um, totally. But uh, iron fist is like, they shouldn't, I mean, so much is wrong with it. Like from casting to like the energy of the character and the, the, I just, I don't care for Danny Rand at all in the no. show. Well, and I, t- I told you,
1: I told you via text that this should have been the batshit crazy Tarantino series of the four. Like go like if Kung Fu, like this should have been Kill Bill plus the King. Yeah.
0: That would have been so much cooler if it were like mixed a bunch of cartoons in with, you know, uh, crazy Kingsman kind of action and like, like yeah, they could have chopped up this format so much. Plus isn't Iron Fist like a wisecracking like kind of jackass. Like I haven't read much of the comics, but My I'm pretty ex- sure in the Power Man and Iron Fist like duo. Yeah, Luke Cage is the like stoic badass, and Iron Fist is the tiny little like hyperkinetic guy that's like constantly wisecracking and stuff. And in in the show, he's just a boring, like idiot. He's just an idiot. Yeah. He's like you know he just has no concept of whom to trust or. Like why, you know, why he doesn't fit in certain situations. It's like, he's just, I don't know.
1: So the, ultimate, it's, the ultimate Spider-Man cartoon where it's like Spider-Man leading like the young, the new young Avengers. I oh, right, him. right. He's in that. And like, he's very fun. And it like, he still like has this like stoic mysticism too, but he's got, it's mixed with sort of an uh, acute kind of little innocence that, um you know, cause he is so, he's so good at what he does. Like he's so good at Kung Fu that like he can, there's kind of like this, weird kind of innocent confidence the other thing i was going to mention and this is something i have not seen i mean i i knew it it was announced but nobody has really talked about it obviously um what's the actor who plays uh danny rand um finn jones he was obviously from game of thrones colin wing was one of oberon's daughters on game of thrones too i had no idea
0: nymeria sand
1: because I saw her, I'm like, why is she so goddamn familiar? Then I looked up, I'm like, oh shit, that's who, that's right, they cast her, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, um, uh,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, and it's not just, um, it also, all <clears throat> in all the Marvel stories so far, at least the ones we've watched, they, um, there's, it's like the main character's interesting and then and then there's always been this tension of like the person right next to him is just as interesting. And it really just strengthens the whole cast, you know, and like Jessica Jones, not only had Luke Cage, who was awesome in it, and such a great relationship for her, but also uh, Patsy Walker. Wasn't her name Patsy in that? Um, yeah. Yep. She was so cool. And isn't it in Jessica Jones where she does all the work for the uh, Carrie Ann Moss char- character? Yep. Yeah. Such a great, like, all those things are great. Then, the you know, uh, Purple Man, Mr. Invincible, or whatever Doctor Who's name is, and that he's awesome. Like, <laughs> and then in Luke Cage, you think like Misty Knight is so good, and uh, Cottonmouth, like Mahershala Ali's character, is so good. It's you know, and uh, um, oh, it, uh, crap, the character and actor's name, um, escaped me, uh, for the congresswoman, councilwoman in, in Luke Cage. Um, oh yeah! Oh, Alfred <clears throat> Woodard's character. Alfred Woodards character. Yeah, but they're all so good. And in Iron Fist, it's like, yeah, Colleen Wing, uh, Jessica Henwick. I think that's her name. And She's the dude so from
1: Three Hundred, like that. Just the uh, what's the guy? Who? The guy, the dude from Three Hundred, who's also in Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, Aramir. Oh, that, yeah fair not,
0: i don't even care for him his character makes no sense in iron oh Prince.
1: that's what i'm saying like it was just it was like i love that actor but jesus that that whole character just made no sense at all it,
0: that whole family it's like oh so i'm so frustrated so but i can't did- tell i don't know if i'm gonna hate watch the next like six and a half episodes or if when i turned it off today i
1: I mean, if you do, if you do, we'll do like a whole episode on this because I mean, at this juncture, I think everybody said what needs to be said, you know, even in addition to what we just said. So it's just like, eh, it's disappointing. And it makes me, I think I told you via text too, um, you know, basically they had a lot of goodwill after Luke Cage. And now it's almost like they have to claw a lot of that back once Defender starts. Like they can't just jump into Defenders like, Hey, this is gonna be awesome. It's gonna be like, all right, let's see. you know, and that's not really the best posture to be in, I guess
0: so let's uh let's jump into something else. Uh, did you you told me that you might go see the Power Rangers movie this weekend?
1: I might, but I'm also it was brought to my attention that I haven't seen Unbreakable yet, and I should probably do that. As well, so I might just do that tonight instead. What
0: is Unbreakable?
1: Oh my God! So you're in the same boat. Great. So Unbreakable is the one M Night Shyamalan movie that like is really really good. Um, that still holds up today. And apparently, oh oh oh, like the old movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. You with know, sam Jackson. Jackson, right? Yeah, and Bruce Willis and all that. Like, and I haven't. I for whatever reason, A didn't know it was M Night Shyamalan. B didn't know oh. it how it had to do with comics and all that kind of stuff. Like, it, yep. I'm just like, what? Somehow it snuck through the world without me being aware of it. i mean i've heard of it but i had no idea what it was and then since split has come out spoilers apparently at the end of split whoa. um i haven't seen it, have well, it? there's supposed to be a tangential i've not seen it, but there's uh, supposed okay. to be a tangential plot at the very very tip of the end of split that makes you think that an unbreakable two might be on its way
0: whoa
1: and i'm like holy crap so i need to watch unbreakable one i guess so i'm gonna probably do that um i okay you know part of me really wants to see the power rangers movie mainly because i mean i was never a fan growing up really it was always sort of amusing but i was like i was not gotcha. not the same, like i was a dragon ball z kid like i wasn't a power rangers kid um and yes there is a difference for those of you <laughs> home like what's the difference like, there's a big one damn it um but it's apparently and i learned this from like all my io9 discussions apparently brian cranston even pre Seinfeld did a lot of voices for villains in power Rangers. And like, you couldn't even tell it's him. Cause he's like, I'm the villain. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's very arch and very just sort of campy. So awesome. the fact that Brian Cranston is now playing the voice of and face of Zordon in the movie is kind of like, I got to, I almost want to see it just to salute that, you know? Right. Right. And then right. I, I feel like Elizabeth banks just, you know, being elizabeth banks and all her you know batshit crazy glory is is going to be fun so i just i feel like that it's worth it just for that
0: uh interesting i won't uh wait. there was a power rangers movie before right
1: yes but that was with the cast of the tv show gotcha. and that was in 1994 so it's been a while
0: i know it's nothing ab- about them and i won't bust the people involved but i remember some friends taking acid and then going to see that movie oh jesus <laughs> and they were like that was not enjoyable
1: remember that dark freaking thing that um uh dawson's creek put out like uh maybe two or three years ago it was like a dark power rangers fan film and like um did you dawson's ever see that creek? hang on <laughs> i
0: know who you're talking like uh what's his name dawson put it out right
1: yeah dawson I put it but he, he was in it and he helped produce it right it's like power rangers hang on here oh shoot james vanderbeek um he wrote it and produced it and katie sackhoff is in it um yep james oh, I, do,
0: I do remember this and and people were just like this is the film we want
1: yeah because it's all dark and it, it's hilarious the same people who are like the dc multi-cinematic universe is too grimdark as soon as this came out they're like this is what we want this is the dark twisted version of power rangers that we've always needed um and it is it, it was it was very hardcore like there was very little i think there's maybe one shot very very quickly of like this you know this, the the voltron zord put together um and then otherwise it's all like very moody and you know i think at one point two of them have sex or who, i mean it's i've i haven't seen it for so long but it's uh it was hilarious because they saban who you know who owns the power rangers yeah. like put out a cease and desist and all this shit and they finally They negotiated back and forth. I mean, it's only 14 minutes, so it's you know what are you gonna do? But like, uh, this was purely a fan film. Like, I don't think they profited on it at all. It was just purely like a, this is our little artsy side project. And finally, Saban's like, okay, but you have to like make it very clear that this is you can't use the logo. Like nothing. It has to be very much its own thing. Um, so if you look at the poster for it, that's like on Wikipedia, it's like you would never know that was a Power Rangers movie.
0: Right. Yeah. That's some kind of different name. Yeah. It's
1: Power Slash Rangers I think. It's like, it's very much not that. It's it's very much a a parody uh, uh, you know in every well I did notice
0: know. in one of the uh previews that I groaned through for Power Rangers probably before Logan uh that when the title came up it said like Saban's Power Rangers yeah. and I was like what? I mean nobody cares the name of the, that's so stupid.
1: Oh, Haim Saban cares man, he cares a lot. Um I oh, think weird. I really do. Like it's a big dumb action movie and I'm kind of like, yeah. And this, this new theater I found that I, we talked about on Logan. Like I, I kind of want to see a big dumb action movie there yeah. prior to like the galaxy, but you know,
0: we'll see. Well, now. I would say, so we had also had this planned discussion of like comic book stuff. What if we table that too? Let's do that. And let's just pick that up another episode because I think we had a pretty good discussion. Let's
1: talk about that next week because I want to get into it. all yeah. Cause I want to you... ask
0: you about those comics that you listed on there. I'll give uh, everybody
1: a home, a teaser. All right. A, okay. a teaser to think of. You, you, you go home, read these and we'll talk about them next week if you're so inclined and keep in mind, I am somebody who traditionally does not just go for the DC Marvel fair. I'm pretty, I'm pretty out there in the, in the hinterlands reading stuff that's not necessarily True. me. Um, the three that I'm sort of consuming like a, like a fiend right now are the meta Baron, um, not the Metabarons. This is a newer series called the Barons, still involving Jodorowsky. Um, Edina, which is a, uh, a newly released collection of a lot of really cool Moebius stories.
0: Now spell that.
1: Great. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. E-D-E-N-A. Edina. Um, seriously, guys, go get that that book. Oh, God, go get that book. And then um, the, this is the final year of East of West, Um, They're wrapping it up. This is the final year of the apocalypse. So um, definitely get on that train if you haven't. It's getting really good. Um, I can feel like the you know there was a couple issues there where it was a little like tedious, and now it's you can tell Hickman's like okay, let's get going. Let's let's finish this thing up, which is great because I'm always a fan of series that know when they're supposed to stop. Um, Yeah. So those those three, and I was you know East of West is what really kicked off my image sort of. Uh, you know, crush for a while. And um, it's cool that I'm back into it in a major, major way again. So we'll talk about that next week.
0: That is, that's a good topic. And I'll say if anyone out there is looking for a movie suggestion, go see, get out. Have you seen Uh, it? Yes.
1: Is it as good as everybody keeps saying it is?
0: Definitely. And the kicker to it is that it is so. And like deliberate and slow to unfold that it'll you know it could throw you off if you go in like with crazy huge expectations like it's not a big huge movie in in any sense you know and it just it just rolls out with this like this you know the suspense and the story just just builds and you just got to sit there and like take it and it goes like if if you haven't read all the spoilers it's like definitely going to go in some way that you could not have pictured
1: so there's not, like, a twist that you can see coming that you're just, like, conscious of the whole time?
0: I don't think so. And even if I told you, like, what some of the twists were, I don't think it would, like, ruin it. I'm not going to do that. But it's, yeah, like, it, it just uh, – yeah, it's just – it's so taught and and so well-made and so well-acted. And, like, yeah, absolutely. Go see it.
1: It's interesting because didn't Ex Machina come out about this time of year two years ago? And it very I, much –
0: want to say that was more like winterish but yeah
1: yeah cuz that was another movie that was your basically the same thing like slow deliberate like focused yeah. like that's I'm a fan of those it, kinds of movies
0: yeah especially where it's like it doesn't have a huge budget but nothing in the film makes you like you're not watching it going like oh they didn't have much of a budget mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's like everything that you need to to know happens like it you know I mean everything you need to see they had budget for Nice. So, um, yeah, it's and it's uh, Kean
1: Peels. Uh, is it is Peel the director or like one of those guys? It is.
0: Yes, it is Jordan Peel. Jordan Peel, the director. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Um, just that
1: alone. Go see it.
0: I know, and I'll tell you. Um, uh, because I think we're still in the week of hashtag tripod, where people are tweeting about podcasts that they're you know recommending for other people to listen to. Um, uh, the Black Girl Nerds podcast interviewed Jordan Peele in their Get Out episode and it is so cool to, you know uh their their conversation with him is very cool and there's just some good like you know bits that you learn about the movie that definitely like enhanced my appreciation of it uh after watching it so after nice. you watch it go to the Black Girl Nerds podcast and listen to their Get Out episode it's super good
1: rock on so, well,
0: hashtag well #tripod um, hashtag so #tripod where, where can people find you
1: you can find me at same old same old at taylor trask on twitter and uh yeah that's basically the main i mean that's the main place i like to interact with folks what about you i am at hey todd
0: a on twitter which also is the main place i like to interact with people and we are Uh, both
1: at their dot network that Um, is
0: true and we should give a shout out to uh This past week, we released an episode of Fan Theories from our friends Emily Kelly and Peter Kunin. They talk about fan theories surrounding the Mass Effect video game and its universe. And then, secondly, we debuted a brand new show uh, that you should tell us about. What is it called?
1: it's the little show that I'm doing solo called "People of Interest." Um, very original title, as you can see, but it really is. It's, it's. Um, you know, I was, I just wanted to do a bunch of interviews with cool folks that I knew or wanted to meet, and yeah. uh, this seemed like a good way to do it. And uh, and they're kind of like, can you can you sum up like
0: what kind of interviews they are? Like, who, what are these folks involved in?
1: Well, I've gotten lucky in that the last. The last three or four I've done have been almost exactly an hour. So if you want to know what you're in for, it's a good focused hour. Um, we talk about their careers. We talk about um, so like first episode with uh, my friend Paul Rohr He's a local Denver actor, producer, um, acting coach. We get into a little of his past. We talk a lot about the Denver film scene um, and just the film business in general, which has got really fun. And he will be back. I mean, there's 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 a lot to chat about. My next one coming up is with my friend. Um, Dr. E. Michael Harrington. We talk about copyright, the music business, a lot of good stuff there too. So nice. keep an eye on people of interest as we, as the year progresses, we'll have more and more for you to, uh, to sink your teeth into.
0: Yeah. And check out both those podcasts, as well as the Todd and Taylor show and Wednesday and Westeros and everything on there.network. Uh, if you go to there.network, you will find all the iTunes and Google play links. Um, you should be able to find all of our stuff on Stitcher and SoundCloud and stuff like that so
1: wherever podcasts are sold
0: exactly or free from us uh, alright well till uh, next time I've been Todd A
1: I'm Taylor Trask bye